Well, as we get ever so closer to the ending of this sermon series and this time on the hill with Jesus, we walk into a, a second to last, really, of his warnings to the people on the hill. I want you to think for a moment this morning, if you would, with me. Think about things that we pay attention to. And particularly things we pay attention to, uh, to watch out, to, to be um, in tune to and be aware of for potential risk, potential danger. Now, a lot of things come to mind, perhaps. I mean, we, we watch the news, and specifically, maybe even the weather. We watch the weather. If there's storms coming in, we watch and we pay attention. Sometimes we adjust our schedules because we want to be prepared. There's also this little piece of technology that we carry around that has alerts on it all the time. And when we have those alerts, we pay attention. In fact, I was just having lunch with Stan and Janine on uh, Wednesday, and every phone in the restaurant went off because there was an Amber Alert in Indianapolis. But we pay attention to those things, don't we? There's also things like when we're driving in traffic, we watch out for risk. We watch out for danger. Um, a good driver is not a driver that says, I'm not going to watch anybody else. I'm just going to pay attention myself. We've been around those drivers, haven't we? And that's not a good thing. We pay attention for potential risk and dangers. In the world we live in right now, particularly in light of Charlottesville and so many other protests and, and places where public safety is a concern, which is just about everywhere, we watch, don't we? We plan a trip and we pay attention to what's going on in that area. Well, today Jesus reminds those on the hill to watch and pay attention to something that in some ways they've forgotten to do. And as Jesus you know, begins his ministry and begins to teach and preach, I mean, this is, again, remember, this is his first um, real sermon, so to speak. But it's the first of many. It's very lengthy, it's very long over a period likely of, of not just a few hours, but likely a few days or a few weeks. And as he's done all of this teaching then, he brings us around and says, I want you to remember to watch. I want you to remember to be aware, to pay attention. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, it feels like we're watching and pay attention, paying attention of so many things. And it's exhausting. You know, I have this thing hanging under my deck. It's called a hammock. Got it in Brazil back in 2007. The thing's huge. In fact, we used to be able to get all six of us in it. I keep telling Suze I want to try that now. But with Jacob being like 6'2", uh, it's not likely going to work. But it would be a lot of fun just trying to see. It would probably pull the deck down and everything else. But I tell you, one of the things I love about my hammock, I was in it yesterday, is I go down, and if you come to my house and you can't find me and you know I'm home, I'm probably in my hammock. Now, I don't spend tons of time there, but it is, it's a place of of quiet for me. It's kind of tucked in under the deck. The, the rocks and the trees are all around, and I can kind of be there without being noticed. But what I love about my hammock is it's a safe place. And it's a place often I don't want to take my phone. I do sometimes. But it's a place where I can kind of set aside all the things that I'm responsible for paying attention to. But I can't live in my hammock. I do want to die in my hammock, though. I keep telling my wife, I said, Suze, when I get close, 
I just want you to take me down. I tell my kids, just take me down, and then when I die, all I got to do is just wrap it up and put it in the casket, and we're good to go, right? That's so morbid, isn't it? Um, so many times I get overwhelmed, and I know you do too. You get overwhelmed with all the things we have to pay attention to, all the things we have to watch out for. And in light of where this country is right now, we get fearful, and sometimes to deal with that, what we want to do is we just want to run, and we want to go to the hammocks of the world, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we can't live there, because that's not what we've been created for, and so to live in the places of the world that aren't hammocks, places where it is scary, places where we have to pay attention with everything going on, Jesus' warning to us today is that you need to pay special attention to this thing. I'm convinced as Christ followers, one of the most difficult things we have to deal with in our lives right now are distractions. You know, the reality is, as important as weather can be in our schedules, at the end of the day, it's not the most important thing whether it's going to storm tomorrow at 72 degrees or whether it's going to hail. Yeah, it does matter. But at the end of the day, I don't want to just say to the Lord, Jesus, I paid attention to the weather today. I'm ready for tomorrow. What I want to say is, I've been watching and guarding truth and those who claim to deliver truth. And in that, I'm guarding my heart. That's what Jesus is warning us today. In fact, it's a pretty stern warning. It continues this theme of two that Matt began last week as we talked about the narrow and the wide gates. He begins to lay out a contrast of that there are those who will speak truth in the name of God and do it well, but there will also be those who speak lies. There will be those who live in truth, and there will be those who live deceitfully. There will be those who are good, and there will be those who are evil. There will be those who are righteous and those who are not. Look with me in chapter 7 of Matthew, beginning in verse 15. Watch out for false prophets, Jesus says. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. One of the underlying principles of what Jesus is talking about here has to do with truth itself. We're going to talk in a moment about what it means to watch out for false prophets. But we have to start on the foundation of what truth is. And as Christ followers, we have a responsibility. We have a duty. We have a necessity. If we are to live for Jesus Christ, we have a necessity to know what our faith is all about. 
What happens sometimes, I believe, with Christ followers is that we know we don't know all of the Word, and so sometimes we can excuse it that, well, I just know some of it and pieces of it, and that's okay. Jesus constantly says, Paul and all the other writers of the New Testament constantly say, we should be moving forward in our faith and our knowledge of the truth. Never does it say the four verses you have memorized, that you memorized a year after you became a Christian, that's enough. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being Jesus. But it's about knowing Jesus through his word. And if we're going to know who a false prophet is, if we're going to know that a false prophet is teaching and claiming false things, we have to know what we're comparing it against, right? You know, one of the reasons we've decided to do some of these courses with Etch is we want us as a congregation to grow in the knowledge of God's Word. We want us, no matter how long we've been studying the Bible, to, to know and to share with one another how those truths have impacted in our lives. So you may look at that list in the, in the Etch electives and say, you know what, I've been in classes all like that before. Does it really matter if I am now? Yeah, it does, because there's going to be people in those classes who need you. They need you as they're discerning truth and learning to follow Jesus. They need some of you who have followed Jesus for years to walk alongside them and encourage them, if nothing else. You know what that means? You may go and you may not get a thing out of it, but that's a lie. I tricked you. What happens when we invest in people? What happens when our, our desire is to see people know truth, not just ourselves? God honors that, and he honors himself in that. And so I want to encourage you that as we continue to know God's word and know his truth, is that we would understand that it's more than just knowing that God's word is truth. Now let me tell you what I mean. That may make be a little bit confusing. I hear a lot of people, I've said it myself, when we get asked the question, is God's word, word truth? Our answer as Christians, if we've been taught anything and know anything about Jesus, it's yes, it is. That's that's relatively simple question to answer. In fact, you can come and you can be a part of any church that is Bible-believing, and, and they ask the question, is God's word truth? You're going to hear a resounding yes. If they don't say that, you probably shouldn't be in that church very long. But then there's a difference between that and knowing it's the truth. It's not just that you can just look at it as a whole and say, well, that's tr God's truth. It's, let me explain it like this. It's kind of like um, a, a six-year-old. As a parent or a grandparent, you take your six-year-old and you, you put them in the vehicle, whatever that is, and you travel and you go and you're, you're transporting yourself and them, you're moving them all around. If you go to a six-year-old and we would walk out in the parking lot this morning and point at any of the vehicles and say, um, what does that thing do? Most six-year-olds are going to say, well, it takes us where we want to go. It tr they probably wouldn't use the word transport unless they're really advanced in their age. But they know generally that that is a car or a truck and it takes us where we want to go. 
but they just know it as that. But when we, those of us who have our license, when we get in a vehicle and somebody says, do you know that that transports you and moves you? You know it in a whole different way, don't you? Because when you get in the driver's seat and you buckle up, you know when you turn the key and then you put your foot on the brake and then you put it into gear and then you take your foot off and put your foot on the accelerator that you move, you experience, you live out the truth that that is a vehicle and that vehicle moves you. That's a whole lot different than the six-year-old that says, that's a car, and a car takes me where I want to go. It's the same way with God's truth. How dare we? And, I, and, and, and what I love about this church is I don't hear this. And if I do, I'm probably going to correct you, or I'm going to challenge you, and you should challenge one another. If somebody says, yeah, this is God's truth, the question we should ask is, how? You tell me how this is truth. That doesn't mean that we have to have 30 verses memorized, although that's a really good thing. But it does mean that we need to know it more than just something we point out and say, yep, that's truth. Because there's a point where this world's going to ask, if it is truth to you, and you believe it, and you know it, and you are convinced of it, tell me what's in it. Show me what's in it. You see, that's foundational. Look at this verse, these verses. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. We use it a lot, but darn it, it's so good. Okay, so we're going to keep using it. This is a good Scripture to put to memory. It's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, what do these words say? Read with me if you would. May be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We don't put it on our shelves or leave it parked in the parking lot of life, so to speak, and say, oh, look what I have. You have a car when you drive a car. Just to point at it doesn't mean a whole lot. To point at God's Word and just say, that's truth, and to not live it out, we're missing it. You see, truth is so significant to this, what Jesus says about false prophets. And if you haven't noticed in this world, truth is based on a whole lot of different stuff besides God's Word. The truth of today is about feeling. And I want to caution us, church. I want to caution us because feeling is deceptive. I don't feel like every day getting up and following Jesus. But I've made a covenant with Him. I've made a covenant with you all. And I may not feel like it, but that doesn't mean I should stop doing it. And often I see in this world and I hear and I see it pervading the church. And yes, sometimes ECOB. When somebody says, I just didn't feel that, I will challenge you on that. And if I say it, you better be challenging me. 
Now, it doesn't mean that our feelings aren't important because God's given us feelings. And those feelings are, are, are strong for us to know where we are at. But they cannot and should not be our ultimate guide because our feelings can be deceptive. Our feelings can be based on sin. God's truth is not. There's another one out there too that that we have to be careful of. And that is that truth is simply our opinion. Have you ever been with a group of people and you open up a passage of Scripture? This has happened to me many times in my 20 plus years of following Jesus. Is that people open the Bible. Okay, we're going to do Bible study. And a passage of, of Scripture is read. And next thing you know, everybody's going around and sharing about what their opinion on that Scripture. Woo! I'm not saying our opinion doesn't matter. I'm not saying our opinion does not shape how we understand God's Word. But what we have to be wary of is where our preference of a particular passage of Scripture weighs too heavily. I mean, my goodness, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. There's been a whole lot of them that I don't have a preference for. But that doesn't negate it as God's Word and truth. I can't. You can't pick and choose. You see, truth comes through God, His Word, and our relationship with Jesus Christ. We learn, we believe, we know, and we become convinced of that truth, not just because of our feelings, not just because of our preferences, but because we study it, we examine it. Yeah, we do read what other people say about it, always filtering that through the most important piece, and that is our relationship is played out through the Holy Spirit. Throughout John, John 14, talks about it. And again, Jesus talks about it in John 17. Talks about the Holy Spirit's our guide. If we want to identify false prophets, we have to be able to recognize false truth. And that's, that's an overwhelming task. I get it. I get it. I, I, people say, well, I don't have a seminary education. I don't, have, I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm a young Christian. You, know you have the Holy Spirit in your life, and that is all you need. Amen? And you have a great church family, a church family with leadership more and more committed to guarding the truth, not to protect ourselves, not to protect our our place here, not to protect anything else except honoring God. That's who we have to be. I thank you, those of you who have done that in your life. And I've also, in that, been willing to be taught teachable spirit. So let's jump in and talk about false prophets. Now that we, we understand a bit, the truth is from God and God alone, found in His Word this warning, I said, is pretty stern. He says, watch out for false prophets. Again, if we want to know what a false prophet is, we need to understand what a true prophet is. A false prophet is not someone who says something that you don't like. A false prophet may be someone, will be someone, who tends to speak for God without God's specific blessing, God's specific truth. 
So let's look for a moment a true prophet. A, a, a prophet in the Old Testament was, was very much anointed, and, and we have major prophets and minor prophets filled throughout the Scripture of the Old Testament. And these individuals were called by God specifically to speak on behalf of Him and His message. They were not popular people. <laughs> in fact, threatened with their lives. Their lives were difficult. Because they were speaking against Israel and others who were falling away or absolutely not following God at all. But a prophet proclaims the truth of God. A prophet speaks as God's messenger. He or she is sent from God. And the motivation, and this is key, the motivation for a true prophet, not only the Old Testament but New Testament, is that they are motivated, motivated by love for God and others. So if that's a true prophet, a false prophet is one who falsely claims to speak for God. One who is in it on, for themselves and one who is intentionally leading other people astray. And I want to make a little clarification here. Sometimes it's easy to look at this passage of Scripture, I believe, and say, well, that person taught me something wrong, so they're a false prophet. Let's be a little careful, okay? And I'll tell you why a little bit more in a moment. But many of you have taught in classroom settings, the Bible, or you've taught in a small group. I teach on a regular basis. There are times we misinterpret Scripture. It happens. We're human. Now, we should not be okay with that, but we have to be careful of what the motive is. I've had teachers come to me before that have taught a class and are like, oh, Pastor Dan, I like blew that one. Yeah, I, I did more study on that later, and I, I said something wrong. I'm like, great. <laughs> You're not the, I'm not the only one now. Now, this should for us teachers and preachers, and, and we all in some level should be teachers of God's Word as we know it and learn it and apply it to our lives. But that should challenge us to dig harder and to study more deeply and to pray more fervently for God's anointed hand on our teaching and our preaching. But false prophet is not someone who makes a mistake in teaching the Word of God. A false prophet is one who intentionally is leading people astray. See the difference? So be careful, be cautious, be alert about that. So how do we do that? How do we watch? So I want to go to a passage of Scripture that I think accompanies this really well. 2 Peter 2.1 2 Peter 2.1, this is one I would take a note down on and go back and look at later and read over it and pray over it, commit it to memory perhaps. 2 Peter 2.1, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, Peter warns. They, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into dispute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Let me point out a few things. Secretly introduce. Jesus talks about a wolves in sheep's clothing. And what he's what he's challenging people to be aware about is not the obnoxious, loud, screaming people who are falsely proclaiming God and His Word. He's saying, especially be aware of those who are among you. Now, this should not create some, you know, some 
you know, huge uh, um, being paranoid about everything. But it does cautious us to think about even those that we're very familiar with. I could lift off a name of teachers, particularly teachers that have, and preachers that have huge, huge followings. Tony Evans, Priscilla Schreier, Joel Osteen, Billy Graham, Chuck Swindoll, Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley. I go on and on. Now, I'm not claiming any of those as false prophets. That is something you have to seek the Lord and discern in, okay? That's what I have to do as well. But sometimes we get familiar, too familiar, and we don't realize that sometimes we are accepting things that are false. That is not an indictment on any of those names I've suggested. I've sought to discern all of their teaching, so should you. should discern my teaching, my motivation. But we have to be careful because secretly introducing, as Jesus warns, speaks of the deceptive nature. We know Satan works in very deceptive ways, very subtle ways. A wolf that, is, that has sheep's clothing appears very innocent. A sheep appears very harmless, could never do anything to hurt us. An example of that with a false prophet is someone who constantly says things that tickle our ears. That say things to us and we're like, oh boy, that makes me feel good. Now on the other end, if someone is constantly teaching and preaching fear, perfect love drives out fear and that perfect love is Jesus Christ. And if our faith is based on fear, that's deceptive. Or messages that have a hint of truth. A quoting of one passage of Scripture. I know pastors who have preached full messages in their churches on Sunday morning and never used a passage of Scripture. Ouch. Becomes an opinion. It becomes what we think about it, not what we believe or convinced of. You see, this is a subtle, but it's a very powerful form of spiritual warfare. That's why Jesus says, watch out. We also have to watch out. And to me, this is the number one test. What do they do with Jesus? What do they do with Jesus? If you don't hear about Jesus, then your ears better be perked up. If you don't hear that Jesus is just more than a good teacher, then your ears should be attentive to what else they're saying, even about God. There are some very, very, very popular teachers in this culture that don't talk much about Jesus. So whoever you're listening to, listen the next time attentively to what they do with the sovereign Lord, as Peter says. 1 John 4, 1 through 3 Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. 
You know why this is so significant? Apart from the fact that he is Jesus, okay? And he is our Lord and he is our Savior. When we don't lift Jesus up, who do we lift up? Anybody got an idea? Self. If Jesus isn't here, our sinful nature puts us here. I mean, it's what we battle, right? It's what we battle every day of our lives to keep Jesus on the throne and to keep us off of it. Because when we put us off of it, we're following our faith in ourselves, dependence on us. God is not an application we put on our life. Jesus is not the greatest new app to make life wonderful. No, he is the operating system that leads us to life. Amen? And so when people deny Jesus, they're going to be putting themselves first. Peter also talks about depraved conduct. When we deny Jesus, we deny his definition and God's definition of love. Jesus is love. Jesus modeled love. And so if that love is not our source of living and loving God and loving others, guess what? Our conduct conduct is going to be depraved. And it may be something incredibly weird and warped and evil. It may be very subtle pushing others aside ever so slightly to get ourselves to a better seat. We have to watch that. That means those who teach, those who preach, the prophets of this world, the teachers in this day and age, we have to watch their public life as well as their private life. So if you want to come watch me sleep on the hammock, then okay. Pretty boring. The last thing that Peter says is in their greed... They will exploit you. This really fits in with these other pieces I was talking about. Is that if we're not lifting Jesus up, then we're lifting ourselves up. False prophets, their motivation is themselves. Jesus, over and over again, talked about the false prophets among the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And what did he continue to say? They pray publicly so everybody could notice. Remember Pastor Martin talked about that. They, they, um, they look for the head seat instead of waiting till everyone else is seated. Over and over again, we see that false prophets desire attention, desire notoriety or recognition. And they take advantage of people. And Jesus is very clear about the result of this, isn't he? They will be cut down. To watch means to be on guard, be alert. ESV says beware. There's two practical ways I want you to do this. That I am seeking to do this. We watch out by recognizing their fruit, verse 20 says. Here's two ways. In, in, in looking at all of those pieces that I just gave from Second Peter, here are two very practical ways to watch. Listen. Listen. Don't just listen to them once, but listen. Don't lis- just listen to those who speak proclaiming God on one topic. Listen to the breadth and width of what they're willing to talk about. 
Scripture tells us, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us, is that everything said, everything we hear should be filtered through God's Word. You know what that means? We've got to pay attention. It's not picking out this or that or that that we like to hear. It's filtering it all. Yeah, you can't lay in the hammock and do that. We have to be engaged. We have to pay attention to how people speak about Jesus. Those who proclaim to be prophets. The second piece is this. And this is really where Jesus is bringing this message home in this this part of Scripture. The fruit of what they do. You can only say so much and be true when you live it out. Your action has to be consistent with your words. We should pay attention to who benefits from those who are speaking truth as teachers and preachers and prophets. Because if not, we're going to see, if they're not, we're going to see a real inconsistency. Those who are incredibly popular, those who have a following of millions of people in this country alone, what do they do with all the money they make? It's a big test. What do you find them doing? What do they talk about doing when they're not preaching the Word of God or teaching the Word of God? It's a good test. Church, we are equipped for a mission. We are equipped to serve God faithfully. But I've said it before. You've heard it from this pulpit and the pulpit on Barron Street and the pulpit on Cherry Street since the beginning of the development and creation of God's church here at ECOB. Is that if we do not protect as a faith community against false truth, God will not honor it. We may play church, may look good to us by all the signs of the world, but it will not be worth anything for his kingdom. I have no interest in that, and I know most of you don't either. I want to build his kingdom. I have no interest in playing church. I have no interest, no interest in saying everything is okay. A few weeks, it's actually been several months ago, I was with somebody, and they kept talking about things going on in their lives, and, and this and this and this, and these were clear things in their lives where there were not boundaries, and that, that others were uh, disrespecting and also um, avoiding truth. And this person shared all these things, and then they said, but that's okay. And, I, and, I, and I, it, it threw me back, and I thought, it's not Okay. Because it's not truth. I know in our world today, it's tough to stand for truth. Because you're going to be labeled as something. And if you're calling out false prophets, you're going to be labeled as something. And a lot of times, it's not a good thing. we got to go back to Scripture and talk about how we do that in peace and love and unity. 1 Timothy 4.16, I'll finish with this. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers.
And that's really what it's about, right? That's, that's why we gather as a church, to be a healthy disciple and to make healthy disciples. And to be a spiritually healthy church, that's grounded in being able to distinguish from those who speak truth and those who don't. So what I'm encouraged about is the hope that we find in that. We can accept all kinds of false teaching into our lives, but there is no hope in it, none whatsoever. We'll feel good about it. It'll make us happy. But there's no hope. There's no hope. Let's live for hope. Let's live for Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the the proclamation of Jesus here that tells us very Very sternly, watch out. Watch out and be ready. Be prepared. God, as good as it is to be in the hammock from time to time, never let us live our spiritual lives in the hammock. Never let us be people that are just complacent or so wore out by paying attention to things that we don't need to pay attention to or maybe pay attention to a little less so that, God, we are focused on your truth and those who proclaim it. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, we don't follow any teacher or any preacher except for Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. This morning as we, um, as we uh, close in this song, uh, perhaps as... This morning as the word was being delivered, you you thought about somebody in your life and thought, you know what, they're they're being deceived right now by someone who's teaching false things. Maybe you. I I encourage you during this time to to pray for them. Maybe you want to do that at the altar. Maybe you want to do that at your seat. But pray for that person that they would recognize truth and false.